John 14, 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thank you for reading John chapter 14, 1 through 14 uh, in the NIV. And Jesus is sharing his last meal with the disciples uh, before he's arrested and led off to his death. And uh, in this time, the disciples need comforting from Jesus. They need his words of encouragement. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Many of us are wrestling with our hearts being troubled. Our hearts may be troubled uh, because of the news, because of what we see as so much division in our country when it comes to even how we handle our health or our economy, um, this pandemic. Um, many of us are troubled and should be troubled um, by the video that was released this week of Ahmad Arbery being shot and crying out for justice, crying out for someone who was executed, who was lynched in his own neighborhood while he was running. So we're crying out for that. We're crying out for justice. We cry out as the men who shot him, who are part of that, um, were arrested and charged. Um, but this is not an isolated event. It continues um, in our mourning and lament for how our country continues to be systemically, where black men can be gunned down in the street without consequence, um, just for being who they are, just for doing normal activities that we do. So we lament, our hearts are troubled. And into this, our message, our passage, our scripture for this week, this Sunday, today, Jesus says very poignantly to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word and your spirit that always makes your word timely in our hearts and timely to the community of faith surrounding your scripture. Your word is alive and walking alongside us, giving us truth, showing us the way. Your word is working even at a distance, even through cyberspace, even through the stream. Your word is at work and speaking to us, calling to us, encouraging us, and also um, comforting us, telling us not to be agitated, not to be troubled, but to look up and walk with you who offer us comfort, but also a vision for a new future, a different future for renewal, for a time when justice will roll down and uh, when every tribe, tongue, and nation will gather as a family in praise of you in all of our tongues and our cultural contexts to sing praises and worship the one true Father. So we look forward, even in the midst of a broken world, even in the midst of a dying world, even in the midst of a world where people are exploited, where people are hurt, where people are trafficked, where people are uh, lynched, where people are treated unjustly. Um, we look forward to a new heaven and new earth while um, fighting for justice and praying for change um, as we walk in this present world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> well, part of being in stay-at-home and in the quarantine life is that kids are out of school, and my kids, Cammie uh, uh, in kindergarten, Isaiah in sixth grade and middle school, they're out of school. And the school districts have been doing a great job, and teachers have been doing a great job adjusting learning technology and adjusting and finding ways to bring con educational content to our children at home. I've been um, the primary caretaker at home as uh, my wife is a uh, healthcare professional and is still working full time at the clinic. Um, I've been at home doing my pastor thing from my laptop at home, uh, but also doubling as a home uh, stay-at-home teacher for my children, and um, it's easy for me to, it's easy for me to, because I'm busy and I want to get to my own work, or I want to, you know, I've got to do my things, to just, uh, what I do for Isaiah is I set up the tabs of things, YouTube videos of the school, Seattle Public Schools, videos he needs to go through, or the lesson plans, and I'll line those up by his subjects, and I'll just say, complete this, then you're free to do whatever you want, and just leave them at that. The problem came when 20 minutes later, Isaiah comes into the room and says, I'm all done, can I play Minecraft? I'm like, it's just been 20 minutes. Go practice saxophone for an hour, and go um, do your math, do, read, read on math on YouTube for another hour. But 
Uh, there's a difference between me just putting up tabs for him and letting him just go through his schooling on his own, left to his own devices, right? There's a certain quality of education or the quality of the product of his work that'll come out as displayed by the 20-minute school that he had. There's a difference between that and me actually sitting down with him and helping him with his math, math practice, math exercises, which he needs help with. Sometimes he's afraid to ask for help from me on math because I'm very impatient. I was good at math growing up. So when he doesn't get certain things, I yell at him. And so he's scared to ask me for math because I get impatient. But I was convicted the other day. And so I sat down with him. I promised him I'll be patient. I will be a loving, compassionate teacher and tutorer to you. So I sat down with him and we actually got through uh, like 10 problems and he understood the, the equations, the concepts at the end. And we had a moment. I felt like I built trust with him. I felt like he learned a lot more than if I just left him with the computer and that I was being more of a parent, more engaged, and a patient teacher. Um, so I would say there's a difference between, you know, just saying, hey, there's that, go, and being present um, with my kids and being there to walk the path of education, to walk through the classes with them, to sit with Cammy, my five-year-old daughter, and actually read. Um, I think it's sad because some of the videos that the teachers say, it requires someone to be with a partner, to be with them, a parent, to be with them so they can turn to the parent and do different interactions. And it's sad to see Cammy over there watching it. And when the teacher says, now turn to your partner, turn to your parent, and use this word in a sentence and, and share some of the, what, what you've been learning, that she's just there hanging with no one there to talk to. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? And I say, oh, just skip that part. But what if I didn't skip that part with her and actually sat down and learned with her? I do. And I, this is not to give any parent shame or parent guilt because we are literally juggling work and, and schooling our children at the same time. So um, no one, uh, we don't do this very often. Our lives have been disrupted. So I don't want to give anyone shame for having to do what they have to do to get through the day. And, and I definitely do what I have to do to get through the day. But also, this is also an opportunity um, to walk alongside our children and give them one-on-one -on -one tutoring, give them one-on-one -on -one parenting, give them one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, um, in, on an, on an intense level or on a very like involved level. And the reason I tell this story is because Jesus is talking about being with his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled because I love you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to let go of you. I'm not just going to sit you down here with a bunch of uh, scriptures and memory passages and a kid, uh, uh, action Bible and say, I'm going away and I'm going to come back someday. But look, I have for you 
like the Khan Academy of Christian faith. And as long as you memorize these verses and you go through these things and you can get in cohorts and go to church together, as long as you do that, you'll be fine. And then later I'll come to you and I'll be with you. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is offering himself, his presence, a relationship, a person at the other end to walk through life with us. And that's why he can say, do not let your hearts be troubled because I will be with you. I am here to comfort you. And the disciples at this time in this last meal with Jesus sitting there definitely need comforting as Jesus has dropped some major bombs on them. He's been saying, I am leaving you. He said that he told them, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you very soon. And where I go, you cannot come. During this meal, he revealed that one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. One of you sitting at this meal with me. And then further, he says, and Peter you're going to deny me. Because Peter's like, I will never leave you. I'll stand by your side. Kill me too. Take my life. I'll lay my life down alongside you to save you, to protect you. And Jesus is like, actually, no. You think you're bad? You think you're bad? You think you're a hardcore follower? Actually, you're going to deny me. And so they're very discouraged. Their hearts are troubled. Jesus is going to leave them, and they feel maybe they will be abandoned. Maybe this is the end of the road. They aren't ready. They don't know how to go on the path. They don't know how to continue this movement. They're used to be having Jesus there. But they're like, how is, how is what we're doing going to continue? How is life going to go on? When Jesus is gone. And so their hearts are really troubled. I'm sure that they feel a lot of fear. I'm sure that they feel a lot of insecurity. I'm sure that they have a lot of anxiety about the future. I'm sure that they're very sad that they're mourning. That someone they loved will not be close to them any longer. And actually, as they are learning that he, he faces death, that he faces a tragic outcome. And they are about to witness him in following pages, following chapters. They're about to witness him be arrested, incarcerated, taken away by soldiers. They're about to see him be put on trial unjustly, convicted unjustly by a mob mob saying, crucify him, crucify him. They're going to see him be spit on. They're going to see him his clothes being torn off him, a, a crown of thorns put on his head, bloodied, tortured, and finally executed on a tree, on a cross. They're about to see these things, and they will be without him, thinking him dead for three days in uncertainty, in fear, in hiding, 
right? And hiding in their place at home. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And maybe some of us can actually relate. How are you? How is your heart troubled or agitated or stirred up right now? Are you feeling stir crazy? Are you feeling restless? Are you like, when is this going to end? How are you feeling troubled right now? Do you miss people? Do you miss certain comforts that you've been used to? Do you miss going to the international district and sitting and having dim sum with 10 of your buddies? Do you miss um, hanging out, playing basketball or softball, going to a Seattle Mariners game to watch with your family? Do you even miss the crowds, going to Green Lake, walking, sunbathing, um, sitting at Starbucks, just hanging out with your coffee on the laptop? Do you, are you missing work right now? Are your, is your heart troubled by unemployment, right? a loss of wages, and a confusion, confusion as to how you're going to get government assistance because the system's kind of not perfect? Is your heart troubled at what you see and read on the news? Is your heart troubled by all of the conspiracy theories and fake news and different stories that some people seem to feel is very true. And another group of people are like, that's not true at all. Is your heart troubled by that? Is your heart troubled for the future of our country? And what, who is going to be leading this? What about the elections coming up? What's going to happen with the United States? Is your heart troubled by the immigration status of a loved one, by your own immigration status and documentation? What, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go? Where am I going to be? Are you troubled by your children not in school, not, not keeping up with where they should be? I know my own heart is troubled deeply, um, as many of you uh, who are listening, maybe your heart has been troubled in the same way, but at um, the injustice in our country that a black man can run in his own neighborhood and be accosted um, by white men with guns. Um, two months ago, and only when video surfaces that those men are arrested. Maybe that troubles you that, you know, it's become normative for people who are protesting of a certain culture to carry their rifles and their guns while they're protesting and nothing happened to them. Um, this is difficult. And so I wanted to share a lament, and this was in the Covenant Companion, the Evangelical Covenant Churches magazine, the Covenant Companion. It is 
a, a lament for Ahmad Arbery, uh, the man in Georgia, um, who was 25 when he was shot in February, and um, video surfaced a few days ago of the actual shooting, and and finally the men who were uh, responsible for this were arrested. And yesterday was his birthday. It would have been his 26th birthday, um, but he was shot on February, I believe, 23rd. So people ran with Ahmad uh, for many people did for 2.23 miles yesterday um, to honor him and to continue to lament and cry out um, in our anger at the injustice. But here is a lament for Ahmad Arbery written in the Covenant Companion. O Lord, we come before your throne in excruciating pain and immense sorrow. We cry out, echoing the psalmist saying, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? We are outraged by racial violence and overwhelmed by how frequently it is ex expressed in our country. Lord, many within the body of Christ and our covenant family are haunted by what can feel like your silence amid unspeakable tragedy. Lord, we petition you to console our brokenhearted sisters and brothers drawing them near to you. May you restore their souls by making your presence felt and love concretely known. Make your love concretely known. Amen. And I think this is what the disciples are feeling. We have known Jesus' love so concretely he has been in our presence in flesh and now he's going away and our hearts are troubled. And Jesus, into this fear, into this anxiety, into this deep sense of loss, says, do not let your hearts be troubled. But the question remains for the disciples and for us, why? Why should we not worry? Right? If Jesus had just left it there, like I left Isaiah with his assignments on the computer on each tab, do not let your hearts be troubled, bye-bye, without giving a why or give, giving a what or giving a how, his disciples would still be freaking out, and they were still freaking out, and we are freaking out, right? Do not let our hearts be troubled, God. Where are you right now? What's the answer? Why is this happening to us? You've left us on our schoolology, on our laptops, to go through these lessons on our own, to go through our math problems and our language arts responses and our science videos. But where?
right now. I need someone to explain this to me. Life is confusing. Can you walk me through this, please? Can you hold my hand? Our hearts are troubled, so why should we not worry, God? Look at this pandemic. It's taking us out. It's jacking us up. Our country is splitting apart. Why shouldn't we worry? And Jesus is trying to say, because there is someone who is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. God has never failed you yet. He's never failed you yet. And as he is saying this, there's someone trustworthy. God is trustworthy. He has never failed you yet, right? He's also saying, trust in me. But you're leaving, Jesus. Trust in me. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. I will go now and prepare a place for you. But then I'm coming back. I may be leaving for a time, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to prepare a place. And because I'm preparing you a place, I will come back for you. Right? Imagine, imagine a prince journeying to a d distant, a neighboring country to ask a woman from the neighboring country to be his bride, to marry him. And so he comes and says, let's be married. And they make the deal, right? They make the deal. He puts a ring on her finger. The parents agree um, and bless it. And then he leaves back to his country. And, and, and the woman is like, where are you going? And he says, I'm going back to my home to prepare a place, right? We're gonna be, we're gonna have to separate but I'm going to make our home. And then because I'm making this home, I'm going to come back on my horse and I'm going to bring you back because I prepared this place so we can be man and wife in this place and we can live. I'm not abandoning you. We're still engaged. We're still together. There's a promise here. We're in relationship, but I'm going to make a way, to make a place, to make a room. That's one part of that image. In my father's house are many rooms, many places. Many rooms also means, implies, that there is room to invite other people into Jesus's place. And that's what I think, you know, a big part of this journey of life for followers of Jesus, this journey of life for the church in the world right now is that Jesus has gone and there's many rooms in the Father's house, right? In the Father's family, he has room for a diversity, a huge number of people to come and be family together. And so as we go in life, we go knowing that God wants to fill those rooms, 
God has a huge table, a banquet table for all of us to eat. So go along and as you're going, invite people on the highways and the byways, on the sides of the streets, sitting on the curbs, weeping alone on the sides, say, hey, I'm going to a place with many rooms. My, in my father's house, there are many rooms and there's a room for you. Come. That should be the nature of the church. That should be the innate in a follower of Jesus. A generosity and a hospitality that just flows out because we know where we're going to. We know what kind of father we have. And that he has a huge crib. In my daddy's crib is a big pool and a pool table and an infinite amount of rooms. You get your own room. Come on. Come with us. Come with me. Come on. There's a place for you. Welcome home. And that's what we like to say at Renew. That's one of our mottos. Welcome home. You belong. And when this is all said and done and we meet once again together in person, I hope to meet new people. I hope to meet you. Maybe I don't, you're watching and I haven't met you yet. I hope that we can become family and walk this journey of life together and not be alone. Thomas, the disciple Thomas next, he's not down with the metaphors, right? We know from other stories, from the resurrection stories, Thomas is a very concrete and tactile person. He needs to like feel things concretely. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Jesus, but this kind of I'm going and houses and rooms, this doesn't make sense to me. Like this metaphor stuff, I need to feel it. So he's the type of person that when you get something from Ikea, a new table, he actually follows the directions. I personally throw the directions out and make my table and then I'm like, what's this screw left over for? Thomas is like, no, like she's like my wife Janice. You need to follow each of the directions and maybe in the end she's right. But he's like, but we don't know the way Jesus. How are we going to find you? He's thinking this literally like, you're going, Jesus. And Jesus has just said, you know the way. He also said, I'm coming back for you. And at the same time says, you know the way. And so Thomas naturally is confused. We don't have a map. Do you have a map? Do you have a GPS signal for us? How are we going to get there? Right? Are you going to send a car, an Uber for us? Like instructions? Jesus responds, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. First of all, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Notice that each of these phrases is, has a singular article, the, right? 
It's not, I am a way. I am one of the ways. I am a truth. This is my truth. I could be your truth or one of many truths. The or I am a way of life. It's Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one can come to the Father but by me, by through me. Right? The way, the truth, the life. And what Jesus is doing here is saying, it's not just a set of instructions. It's not just a tab on your laptop browser, right? It's not just a, a list of memory verses for you to memorize and you'll be fine. I leave you with this, right? And sometimes we think that salvation or uh, being a Christian or being a disciple is simply knowing things. Simply knowing the Bible, simply reading books about Jesus, simply going to Sunday school and studying the topics and how, the, how they relate to the Bible and what, how should Christians think about yoga or homosexuality or whatever, like learning these things. It's not simply that. Jesus is actually saying, I am going to sit with you and walk with you and be present with you. The instruction manual is actually not a manual. It's a person. It's me in real time. Me, relationship with me. Are you with me, church? And so in this way, Jesus is placing himself as the map, the way, the truth, the life. Right? He's offering himself. You can memorize ways to do things. You can set, you can set your mind to um, data and instructions. Right? You can focus on the truths of science or any discipline. Right? Memorize the way. Right? You can learn truths. You can... Get all the self-help books about living a good life. Ways, truths, and lives. You can collect that for you in your brain. But what you can't say, or but what Jesus is saying is, no, it's not about those things. It's I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is offering himself. And in offering himself, he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. I go away, but I'm coming back because you're betrothed to me. You are my spouse. I will not abandon you. I will never abandon you. There is no middle ground. I am the way to God. But this is a relationship. There is no middle ground. And don't get us wrong. You know, for those of us people who say, oh, Jesus was a great person. He is a great teacher. Jesus was, had good ethics, right? Jesus was a loving rabbi. We can't just say that because that's not what Jesus offered. And that's not what Jesus was saying of himself. He did not say, oh, I am just a good teacher. I have a good way, right? I, 
you know, my philosophy, if you follow it, it's good for having a good life, right? I'm offering one of the truths, but you can take other truths. There's other truths out there. He does not leave a middle ground. And to say that he does is actually not listening to what he's saying. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to hear what he's saying. And what he's saying is, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And you cannot be with the Father unless you go through me. But the good news is, this exclusivity is, not, is, is about being in relationship with him. Right? He's saying, I'm more than just objective data. I'm not a book. I'm not simply a book. I'm a person. I am the way, and I will be with you. So the answer in response to your hearts being troubled, but we don't know the way, Jesus, is I will be with you. And that resonates through scripture. That's always been the promise. Christ with us, I will be the way. Amen. Next up, Philip. It next up, Philip's like, oh, okay, you dumb Thomas. This is my question. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for, that, for us. Philip is saying, you know, Thomas, he needs his hand held. Okay, you're going to be with him. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I actually don't need 24-7. You know, I, I'm an independent worker, so just show me the Father, and I'll work, it, I'll work it out. That's enough for me. I can go with that. Just give me a little picture. Just not the whole map, not your hand holding me all the way. Right? Just... Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I'm done. I'm set. I can work it out. I'm satisfied. And Jesus is like, don't you know me, Philip? If you see me, you've seen God. And this is a place where Jesus is affirming his own deity without qualification, right? Jesus is basically saying, I am God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Right? Who else can say this? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm God. Who else can say this? Have you ever heard anyone in your life, any person in your life, any leader in your life, maybe some leaders, come to you and say, when you gaze upon me, you gaze upon God. When you look at me, you're looking at God, right? Maybe some leaders like broach on that, but no one would actually outright say that. Jesus says that. So we can't, either he's crazy or he's an extreme narcissist or he is what he says. He's God and he's the way and the truth and the life. When you look at me, you're seeing God. When you look at me, you are seeing God. And then he goes on to say even more than that. 
because I go to the Father, you will do greater things than me. Because I go to the Father, you will do greater things than me. What? Mind blown. Right? Aren't you God? You just said you were God. But you're saying that we will be known, we will be seen by our works, right? You will be known and seen by your works, and we will do even greater things than you? And it's true. I, let's get this right. Jesus is not saying, you are greater than me, right? Jesus is saying, I'm going, and I will empower you. And we'll see in Acts, we'll see in our own lives that we're empowered in this Holy Spirit and that the mission that Jesus started, he was the starter, the catalyst, continues through us, through the church. The mission continues into the world. And that mission, like we will see greater things than the miracles of Jesus through the church in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So what this is telling us is, I'm going, I'm coming back, I am with you, and also, you are carrying on the mission. Are you with me, church? And then he says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Is this... The genie in the bottle, I rub it and get three wishes and I can ask for anything and I get it? Is this the blank check? Woo! Ask anything in my name. Jesus, in your name, I want a red Tesla. Oh, bing, I get a red Tesla because I asked in his name. Right? When I was a kid, uh, I took this verse quite literally and I was like, I have to say in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if my prayers weren't answered, I was like, oh, I didn't say in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's why it wasn't answered because I didn't actually ask in his name. <laughs> is this a blank check? And so if prayer isn't answered, we really didn't ask in his name or we really don't have faith, right? Oh, your prayer, if I said to you, your prayers weren't answered because you don't have faith, go ask again, ask correctly. And make sure you say in Jesus' name at the end. No, what it means to ask in Jesus' name is you're, when you're walking on the road to the Father's house that we're going to, and I'm walking with you, and you're inviting people along the way because there are many rooms in my Father's house, you're on this journey of life with me, you will begin to ask for things as I would ask. You will ask for things as Jesus asked. Not when you're studying him like a book and memorizing the Bible and going to church just in rote repetition, but when you are actually walking in relationship with Jesus Christ on the path and his presence is with you, when you pray, you will begin to ask in the way Jesus prays. And so, of course, he will give that to you. Amen? And how do we ask for things that Jesus would ask for? God walking with him. God is walking with him. 
and he is walking with us. So we are walking life with Jesus, with God. And as we go on this way with him, we seek for the truth in him. We invite people along the way to the house with many rooms. That means in Jesus, we are walking in the way, the truth, and the life. We are walking in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the I am. Jesus is the gate. He's the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bread of life. He has life for us and life in the fullest. We need to walk with him. We need to walk in him. We need to be carried by him. We need to walk alongside him, along the path at all times, seeking him when we're lost, seeking him when our hearts are troubled, when we haven't when it's dark and we're not sure if we're on the path, we call out, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where is your presence? Jesus, do not go far away from me. Jesus, draw near to me now. Walk with me now because I've lost my way and I'm feeling troubled. And as we do that, we begin to ask in ways and we begin to pray in ways that Jesus would ask, that Jesus has a heart for, because we begin to share the heart of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And in the midst of a world um, that offers many ways, truths, and lives, um, especially now as we are looking for something to lean into and looking for something uh, to plant our flag on, to lay our security and to depend on when things are unsure and we're in doubt, you offer yourself as the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray we can lean into that, that we can lean into you in deeper ways in our lives right now. And I know that in these times when there's crisis, um, a lot of crap comes up in our heart. A lot of our brokennesses, a lot of our uh, anger, a lot of our pain and hurt, a lot of the sin that's in us, the patterns of uh, the way we relate unhealthily to other people, the way that uh, we push intimacy and love away, that junk comes up when we're in crisis, when things are hard, and you want to deal with that junk in us right now. I know in our church, we've been dealing with a lot of stuff. And part of me is like, man, we're not even meeting together and we have so much drama. How can this even be? Ex nihilo, drama out of nothing. But it isn't nothing. We're in crisis and things are hard and it's stressful. And when it's stressful, you know, sometimes Hard things rear its ugly head. But you are the great surgeon. And you want to renew us, reshape us, and form us. So let go. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But give your heart to Christ. So he can do the work that he wants to do. So that you can be renewed and you can be better on the path. In Jesus' name, amen.